So welcome to Stock Exchange Wednesdays. For you guys that are new, um, I do this every week on Wednesday, you know, to engage the page, give them some information, and at the same time, just build a relationship with folks. Um, you can't get into 2.0 unless we build a relationship through the 1.0 and also through the contest. I got to know who I'm dealing with, especially when it comes down to, uh, to money. But the contest is a fun way to learn about the market, you know, and it's, it helps when you can turn 100 grand into 30 million or 70 million or 80 million like these guys are doing in like two and a half weeks. It's not even two and a half weeks. It's two weeks and two days. So it's a little bit of an incredible event. So I appreciate everybody that shows up. So today um, on Stock Exchange Wednesdays, we are talking about why are you so emotional with your money? Mm, this is going to be fun. All right. Um, I'm talking about the stock market today. Normally, I just have a conversation and we kind of go off beat. But how many people are in the stock market? Raise your hand for me. Okay, good. All right. So I got a question. This is outside market. Um, what were you, what do you, what were you doing before you started investing with your money? Like, how did you take care of your money or excess capital disposable income? Anyone can step up and answer that for me. Trying to just, just living uh, pay, paycheck to paycheck, trying to figure out how to save pretty much. So, hmm. So my, my question is disposable income. What do you do with your disposable? Disposable? Income? Yeah. Uh, I'd save. I'd put it in a um, savings account. Who uh, else does that? What's that? Who else? I'm saying who else saves their money in savings account? I do. Okay. So do you believe that's a good thing? No. Okay. No, because, yeah, savings account pays almost nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nowadays, it's just for emergency funding um, type of situation. Well, you can keep that in your drawer. It's closer to catch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, because you're not getting any money. Listen, your bank account, just so you know, you can disagree or agree. I'm okay with that part, but that's where money goes to die. Okay. That is absolutely where your money goes to die because it's almost like, have you ever taken any money out the ATM and put it back in? If you no. did, I, I, I need you to be my second person because I've never done that in my entire life. So yeah, we don't, we don't do that. Um, so I got another question. Have you ever got emotional over spending your money? How? Like when and where? Like when you say, you, somebody shake, the, Tanya, I'm gonna ask you because I saw you shake your head. Come on, get on. Looking all purdy with the lipstick on tonight. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Daryl. Listen, this is not the Grady Bunch where y'all can tell you. Daryl's the one that told me about 1.0. Okay, they Daryl. Um, probably, uh, uh, I would say um, a shopping spree. Probably took, took a little extra. You got doing on a shopping spree? What type of well, woman are you? I spent a little too much the last time I went. So I was kind of emotionally mad that I went. I think I went like two or $300 over. Okay. And what I should, so that made me a little bit upset. Yeah. So think about it. I mean, I asked this question before, but I want to ask again in a general setting. What was, um, you know, we all make a certain amount of money. We all spend a lot of money. Um, and I don't think there's too many people that control how much they spend or keep how much they make, that type of thing. So 
Have you ever taken stock of how much money you've actually made and spent over the time that you've been working? Yes, I've done it. And what, what did that number even feel like to you? That'll make you emotional. Yeah, it was when you figure out over so many years you spend in millions of dollars. Um, it's it's kind yeah, of millions. Uh, mind, yeah, mind boggling. <laughs> yeah. You know, and but what makes you spend that money is the question. Like, why are we wasting so much money? I know my I feel, problem. I feel I like I feel like we don't pay attention to it though. Like you just moving so fast, right, you know, before right. you know it, it's it's gone. It done hit your hand and now it's now it's not even in your hand no more. You ain't even keep it for two hours. <laughs> that I think I think that in our appetites, honestly, like our eyes just get bigger than what we really should be able to handle at the moment. So we end up spending more money on things we really don't need. We just desire it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I um I remember that you know especially okay you know when I was a single guy and I'm not single anymore obviously but I used to spend every week i'd probably say between haircut wash car go buy new clothes get a new pair of sneakers and go out on a date how much that number look like a week guys <laughs> what's that number look like come on richard Renat. come on step in i know you five, come on you five, 500 are you single yeah. bro? 500 uh no about, about a thousand sometimes thank man. you Depends thank you for living my life Listen, who likes sushi here? I mean, like, I eat sushi. If I go to sushi, if I go by myself, I'm speaking up, I'm spending a buck and a half. If I take somebody, it's gonna be like two something. And if I don't drink, but if they drink, forget about it. I'm three hundred dollars in, and that doesn't include the haircut, the gas, the wash car, the four hundred dollar pair of jeans, and the two hundred dollar sneakers. You know, you gotta be fresh, right? And when you're young, you gotta be fresh. At least that's how I used to do it. I don't do a lot. I'm an old guy now. You can buy me some khakis and I'm good with it all day in the house. You know, but okay, so <laughs> let's get to the stock stuff. So I got a question. All right. Who remembers the first stock that got them emotional? Oh. Come on now. Every single stock you buy goes up. So what was the first stock for you, Rich? I was in a, a reverse split oh. where I had 50 shares and the reverse was 30 to one. So I ended up with one share and was charged a reorganization fee and the stock price. I was basically like in, in a $70 hole just from the, from the reverse split. Wow. So, so, and that's funny. So what did you, what did you do next? And what was your, and you know, if you was in a stock that was reverse split, you was in the wrong company in the first place. You know that, right? Right, right. So how, what was the price of that stock before it split? Uh, before the reverse. So it was around, it was around $3 a share. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. What a lot of times guys, so you don't know, if you don't know what a reverse split is and why they do it, a reverse split is when a company tries to make their stock price a little bit more appealing, okay? Because they figure if it's now it's not three dollars anymore, but now it's thirty dollars at this point. Was it? You said thirty to one? Yeah, thirty to one. So that was after the split. 
so no, it was three three dollars pre-split. Oh wow. Okay, got it. So that ooh, that's nuts. So, but at the end of the day, they try to make it more attractive to investors because it's a higher price stock. It doesn't really change the liquidity of the stock because institutions can't buy companies at certain uh, market caps. You know, the big boys don't play in that pond. You know, so we'll, we'll get there in a minute, but I just wanted to kind of warm up and, and kind of go to a couple of things. So did you buy more of it or did you sell it? I sold it. Okay. So anybody else ever got... um? Emotional about a stock going down? No? Yeah. yeah. Who's that? I, I, Go ahead, Darren. I mean, I, I bought, when I uh, bought uh, Microsoft at one point, they're booming now, but they were huh. bouncing around for a long time and they, they were going down more than up. So well, that was, that was, that was pre 2014. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I was getting emotional a lot. <laughs> It's like yeah, I, Microsoft. It lived, but see, Microsoft's a different ballgame. So when it went down, what did you do? I sold it. I, you know, I, I didn't know anything about stocks back then, per se. I knew Microsoft mm -hmm. was a good company, and they, they were at thirty something dollars a share at the time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I sold it. <laughs> then I repurchased it <laughs> when it higher, right? <laughs> right. Right. Well, a lot higher, didn't you? Yeah, it was probably like in 2014 when they changed CEOs, that stock started to do some dancing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you have to look at it like this. So I'm going to tell you, um, all you guys, what if I told you that you make more money on the way down than on the way up? Would you believe me? You know, who? I see you shaking your head, Erica. Come on, step in and join the game. Why do you well, agree? I I have not done stocks, so I, I can't personally speak um, of my experience with it, but I, in my mutual funds through my IRAs, and especially just downtime with work uh, and talking to my I have a financial advisor through work that does my IRA stuff, and mm -hmm. um, I had to cut back my hours, and I'm like, I'm going to cut back my retirement, uh, my contribution. He's like, not right now. He's like, you need to be the buying The best time everything. to keep doing it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we had that conversation just a couple months ago about bye, 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 bye right now so that we can, uh, ride the wave and hopefully a few months here. <laughs> hey, listen, it worked out, didn't it? Maybe. Right. <laughs> right. Well, let's put it this way. Let me give you some, some, um, as I, as I call it package free game. Here's what happens. Number one, you're making more money when you're buying stocks down, but not the stock, uh, that's not a good company. It has to be a good company. And you gotta know what a good company is before that becomes the case. Because if you're throwing good money after bad, then you're just going, you're on a joy ride down. It doesn't make sense. When you, especially at your job, if you got 401Ks or 403Bs and they give you a level of control, then you, you can go to them and say, okay, cause you might only be able to buy mutual funds there. Okay, and, but if they allow you to buy ETFs and play in that lane, you want to really play in that lane. And here's the reason why. If you have a mutual fund, chances are, <laughs> my buddy teased you on the game. Chances are you are paying a lot of fees to the person who's managing that mutual fund. So you don't really know this, but let's say you retired with a million dollars. You don't retire with a million dollars, even though you're looking at a million dollars in front of you. Does anyone know why? Taxes. Okay. Who said that? Daryl, 
Daryl, you cheating. You know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, taxes. So it depends on your tax bracket. You might have to get 300000 or 390000 to Uncle Sam. So you only really got 700000 right? So here's the other danger of not knowing about your money and knowing what to do. Well, what, ch what are the chances that you will, you will make that 700 grand last in retirement? What are the chances? You're shaking your head. Come on, give it to me. For me, low. My, my family lives in their 90s. I got, I got a long Ooh. way to go. <laughs> you take that and divide it by your expenses, you might run out 15 years from now. And then yeah. you, but, but here's the other part. It may not even last that long. Here's why. If you're not used to having a certain amount of money, you might think you have more liberties than you actually can afford. So you're going to go out and spend and go out there and, and live a certain lifestyle that you've always dreamed about but can't finance the dream. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's so important to understand that. Um, I, for one, if you have control over it, I would also ask my, you got a financial planner at work, I would ask them, um, what are the fees on your mutual fund? Because if you're paying 3%, you may not think that's a lot, but that takes half of your retirement away because that's the other part that disappears. So if you would have had a million and a half, a million point seven, you might only have a million point one, a million point two after you compound those fees over 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. So you really have to pay attention to that. You'll get hurt if you don't. So who's purchased a stock recently? Not in my 2.0. Don't you dare raise your hand. Mm. <laughs> I saw Anissa go right for the game. There you go. You was going for the bait. Stop it. Has anyone else purchased a stock recently besides Anissa? Raise, raise your hand, please. Go ahead, Rich. Uh, what stock did you buy? Or Ethan, one of you guys. Go ahead, Ethan. Uh, I bought Apple because I heard about that. I think it was a three for one or four for one. It's a four for one split. Four for one. Yeah. So I I, re I recently uh, purchased an Apple stock because I'm heavy into Apple products. So I know, like you know, as I'm starting to learn more um, about the stocks, you know, I want to make sure that the things that I'm uh, purchasing are things that you know, what uh, well, the stocks that I'm purchasing are the products that I actually use. You know what I mean? Okay. I can, I can buy into that. That's Peter Lynch, if you don't know. That's his theory. But I will ask you a couple of questions. So I'm glad you said Apple, because I hope you did your homework. So what research did you do before you purchased it? Uh, so honestly, I, I didn't do really any research on it. I'm going to Richard. Uh, no. Go ahead. I'm, 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 I'm being honest. Go ahead. You're out of the game. <laughs> no, I'm coming back to you. Rich, what was the last stock you purchased? Uh, shell. And why did you buy it? I think that we're going to loosen some restrictions and I believe oil prices are going to move up. Okay. So what research did you do on that? Now don't get, don't uh, get that. I'm, I'm going to hit the button on you. What research did you do on that? So I, I read some articles on oil and, uh, and travel through Barron's. Uh, and kind of looked historically and saw that it was kind of depressed at the time. So I wanted to hopefully get in closer to the bottom. Okay. Well, let's go back. Ethan, open up, man. 
So here, here's the reality. Hold on, let me mute. Everybody got to mute while I'm on the telly telly here. I mean, just I'm just muting a couple of folks, and then I'll come back. I'll unmute you if you raise your hand. So okay. So here, the reason why I brought that up, obviously, there's a reason for the question. I knew the answer. Of course. You know, I I know that we buy things because of someone said something to us or it looked like it was a good thing. You understand? And that's not the way you should be buying stocks if, you, if you're trying to retire. You know, it's like with Daryl, when he bought Microsoft, um, you know, his intention was not to hold Microsoft for his entire life. If it was his intention, he would have bought it when it was down no matter what. All right? right. But he didn't have any guidance to do that. No instruction <laughs> to do that. And, you know, so I'm going to give you some, a couple of things. It's a funny thing, this place called Wall Street. Because you have to look at it from a standpoint of everything is built around a fee. Everything. Everything is built around. You are, it's like Robin Hood, right? A lot of you guys started on Robin Hood investing. And Robin Hood sells your volume to active traders. And they get paid a handsome profit for it. More than they, than Swab or E-Trade gets paid. You guys carry a lot of buying power. So when it comes down to it, if you look at the buying power you have, you have about $26 billion on a minimum of buying power daily. If you take 13 wow. billion counts and you add $2,000 in them as the average amount. So that's institutional movement when it comes down to moving money. That is not mom and pop money. Mom and pop is buying 100 shares, 50 shares, 10 shares, 11 shares. Institutions are buying blocks, 10,000, 100,000, million share blocks. So they have a very unique understanding of what they're doing before they do it. You don't, right? And, and right. the reality is that you don't understand the platform is made around your volume. That's how they make the money. That's how they don't, that's why they don't charge any fees. But when it comes down to service, they absolutely suck. So you'll be in a situation where you're, you can't trade for a moment because their system is down, right? So you got to be, you got to put your money with an established vendor, like a Fidelity, a Charles Schwab, an E-Trade, a Meritrade, Interactive Brokers, someone that's been around for a long period of time. And those people, it was back in, I think, the last quarter of 2019. Was a, hold on. Who was that? that? That's my background. My okay, son was running. You good. Help that. <laughs> <laughs> but... There's back in the last quarter of 2019 where I think, I'm not sure who initiated the, the price war, but everyone started competing and became a commissionless online, online uh, brokerage. So that kind of, if you were smart enough to understand, even with Fidelity, they do partial shares now. Even though I'm not a big fan of it, all right, but it's a good way for you know, the average person who doesn't have as much liquidity to start, at least they start somewhere, right? right? So who's taking a loss in stocks? Okay, Rich, come on. It's going to be the Rich and Ethan show, I can tell you. <laughs> How did you handle your first loss, Rich? Um, honestly, I didn't want to sell because I wanted to I was hopeful that it's going to bounce back up, but uh, I I waited like two, three weeks, and I was just like, man, I, 
I think this is going to be the best price I can get. So I just sold it. Yeah. A lot of times we marry the wrong stocks, you know, and we, and we don't want to book a loss. You got to be able to sell your losers quick. They're a loser. You know, um, it don't make sense to keep it. The reason why I'm selling is because of two reasons. Really, the main reason is if the company changes their direction. That's really the main reason I'm selling. If the company changes their direction or something happens where it doesn't make sense with my business plan, right? I got to make some moves because if the company's management changes direction of the company, like for instance, let's just say all you guys own Kodak and Kodak was popping, right? They're a, they're a you know, camera company. And all of a sudden you hear about them making generic drugs. Is that a company you want to own? Is that management focused? I'm goodbye. And I'm goodbye very quick, if that makes any sense. Yeah? Okay. So what is your strategy, guys, for you guys that are in the market? What is your strategy when it comes to buying stock? Now, Ethan, do you have a strategy now? What is your strategy? I don't have a strategy now. I'm, right now, I'm just working on educating myself. So I, I already purchased the uh, the Learn to Earn, all the, the three Peter Lynch books that you recommended. I purchased those already. Um, I did a little bit of looking into uh, some of the CEOs you were mentioning, Steve Jobs, Warren Buffett. So I've been, you know, I'm, I'm trying to educate myself right now on it Good. to come up with a game plan. I, I would say that is the first way that you start. You know, I try to take like, I don't know if you pay attention to the um, to the way it happens, but I first start posting a lot of information on the page so you can start reading articles. Because if you've never right. done any reading research, you don't really, you don't read articles. You know, you want to listen to CNBC and you want to get newsworthy. You know, I post a lot of articles about startups. I post a lot of articles about the those companies because you need to know how the world around Wall Street works, number one. Number two, then you need to attach yourself to someone that you can follow, someone that you can get involved with their theory. And, and, and it's comfortable. Like you said, I bought Apple because I knew Apple, right? Well, that Peter Lynch, whole theory and mantra is buy what you know. I just twisted a little bit. Buy what you know and understand. Got you, okay. You know, it makes more sense if you do that, all right? So... Some people, there, there are a couple of people, especially when you're new, you come up with these, you know, you read these things. Someone's always trying to sell you a strategy on how to make more money in the market. No, you got, it's, it's there's, no, there's no substitute for experience. There's no substitute for know-how. You got to take your bumps. Like Richard, you have to take your first losses. You have to take those bumps chasing after those, as I call them, shiny pennies. And in order for you to go, okay, I can continue along this route and go bankrupt, right? Or, right? Or I can change what I'm doing by learning what works, right? And like, if you don't know my history, I got licensed in 1995. I didn't start this group because I wanted to make a check. <laughs> I started this group because my friends wanted to make a check probably because they pushed me to do it. So I said, okay, that, that's, that's cool. But I said, I didn't want to do this unless I could bring an extreme amount of value. It had to be valuable. Like, like you had to feel like, A, you was getting such a bargain for what you were getting, it was almost free. And then 
when it came to pay, you was like, man, you felt like you, that was the first thing you paid because that's what it became. Like it's that valuable. And then the second thing I thought about was coaching. Like, I think we all should have coaches. You know, I see a lot of people on here who have, you know, they look like they played sports. Raise your hand if you played sports. Yeah, like I said, a lot of us, right? So, you know, we played sports, we went to college, we had all of our, all of our coaches. How do we get out in the real life, in the real world and wanna do things in areas where people are expert and don't seek their advice? We're supposed to be really good at doing it by ourselves, we can't do that. So that's very important to me. But what happens if you're not, if you're not paying attention You'll be buying stocks because insiders are buying companies. You know, insiders are buying companies. So that makes sense. If they're buying it, they must love it. So they know the company better than anybody else to spill. So I'm going to buy that company. That is not always the case. <laughs> that's not always a reason to buy the stock. That's maybe one of a hundred, but that's definitely not the main reason you buy a stock, right? You're looking at some people go, well, I'm going to buy turnaround companies turnaround situations. Like for instance, when you buy, bought the Shell, to me, I would be staying away from oil, totally 1000%. The reason why is because if you look at, you gotta look at so many things around the economy. Think about the virus. We thought that this virus would go away quick. Why? Why do we assume that? Because China got rid of theirs, really got it under control in three months. So we figure it wouldn't go past six months here, right? We thought maybe by July, it would be okay. Well, is it okay? Far from okay, right? So when you look at the numbers, and, and, and I, I said this to some people like a while ago, I said, we have a lot of liberties in the United States of America that we exercise, even though they're not probably the smartest move to make. Because in China, they say stay inside, you're not moving. You, you won't be caught dead on the street. Here, now nah, I gotta go to the store. It's a different ball game, right? And not to begrudge any one of their liberties, but you gotta understand, those are part of the things that make this thing spread and multiply. So when you think about that, you gotta think about what's happening in the economy. You have to look at it in, in a geopolitical world as well, because it's a lot of things happening where it is stopping us from moving. And if it's stopping us from moving, then how are we as businesses gonna do well? So if, if we're not flying planes, right? If we are flying planes, they half full, right? We're not really traveling. I know I don't travel. I don't do nothing now. There's nothing that you can get me out there to act like it's happening. It's not happening right now, right? So you gotta look at a lot of variables. So if I'm thinking about oil and I got that on my mind, I gotta say, okay, what is the, what, what is the consumption rate? What's happening? I gotta look for clues. I gotta look for things that, and I'm not talking about, you know, just reading, I'm talking about data, real hardcore data. That's gonna let me know something is changing, right? But when you look at the dollar and you look at the dollar being weak, which it is good for us, does anyone know why the dollar being weak is good for us? Okay, I'll step, I'll go back in. The dollar is good for us because our goods are now less expensive to Europe to buy, right? But the dollar being weak for a long period of time is not good for us, right? So I think someone asked me about uh, gold the other day or Warren Buffett's move the other day. And 
that is um, a very scary move right now because gold is used as a hedge when it comes down to inflation and just security. You're not making any interest on gold. You're, you're just kind of paying for the security because gold is liquid. Kind of tells us some things there. But I'm going to rattle off some of the basic strategies that people kind of take part in, which I don't take part in at all. But what about gold what mining companies? About? What you say, Daryl? Gold mining companies. Gold mining companies are doing well, but the long-term future on that is a different thing for me. Because if you think about 46% of the consumption of gold is people buying jewelry. So we're not buying stuff like that now. That's, that's a disposable thing, right? But people will, um, like I said, by the stress situations, they'll play options. Listen, guys, don't play options. That is like playing with, with gunpowder, um, cyanide, and uh, just high explosives. Don't play options. What happens is you get involved with the, oh, you can make, yeah, I've, I've scored on options, but there's a difference between you paying options and me buying options. What's the main difference? You know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. Experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And also, if I take a loss, I can handle it. You understand? I'm not putting my last coin in the middle of that trying to get lucky. And that's what happened with a lot of people. They're trying to get lucky. And you can't get lucky. You got to know what you're doing in this marketplace. When it comes to money, you have to be very educated. And the problem is we haven't been that educated. So some people try to trade, you know, and it's like, because we hear about buy low, sell high. Well, sorry, that's a myth. Because you'll never get into the exact bottom. And you'll never get in, get out of the exact top. And chances are, you're going to get shaken out. Like for instance, I'm talking to my contest people. Uh, Stephanie, step up to the plate. I gotta ask you a question. Yes. So when you first started the trading game, did you get shaken out of stocks before you actually saw a profit? Yes. Started too soon? Yes. How often did that happen? Oh, well the first, I think because of, I was so nervous, it happened like all the time. Mm -hmm. um, because I just wanted to, like, I, I didn't have the patience to just sit in there. You thought you was playing with your money. <laughs> <laughs> That's I what told happened. you we were having arguments over here about fake money, so. <laughs> <laughs> but the point I'm reaching is that trading is not the best way, especially if you're not seasoned and you don't know what you're doing and you can't stomach the loss. Mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. you got to realize, you know, like, you know, I, I'm not going to divulge the whole thing that happened today, but we took our first loss ever in my 2.0 group. And not one person called me up and was upset about it. Not one. Not one. I wonder why. <laughs> you know, because the reality behind it was we are diversified. And yeah, we got like three, four, five, six, seven, eight stocks. It's up over 50%. So to take a loss on one ain't really going to hurt us. You got it? But you're going to make money. Look on this over there. <laughs> you're going <laughs> to see that, Doc? <laughs> so, but you're going to, but here's the deal. You're going to get into the market without expectating an expectation that you can lose money. Is that even healthy? 
because people are doing that. They don't think they're going to lose money. And then to me, that was a losing strategy before you even started. Because that's the same thing that happened with Steph. You're going to buy a stock. You're going to see it pull back a little bit. And then you're going to get nervous. And then you're not going to know how it trades. And then boom, you're going to sell it too early. Right? So that's why trading is not the move. What's another one? Uh, swing trading, where you buy a stock for maybe you might hold it for a week, you might hold it for a month, you might hold it for two or three days, you're swing trading. Um, you're not buying into the fundamentals of the company if you're doing that. So that doesn't make sense either, right? Um, people buy stocks for the earnings, earnings play. Oh, the earnings have come out, I'm gonna buy stock. Well, if you watch certain stocks this week, they ran up crazy to their earnings and then after the earnings came out, boom. Right, Rich? Right? So you must have had some experience with that one. Care to share? <laughs> yeah, I actually messaged you about one. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, uh, you saw my reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah, it was hilarious. Why is it down 83 cents? It's a penny stock. <laughs> That's all you got to know. And I'm going to be talking about that, too. So then you have people who buy ETFs, which is a great strategy for certain people, right? Yeah, people who buy mutual funds. I, does mutual funds good or bad? I want to know. I want to. I'm gonna ask uh, my man Eric, who's relaxing outside. Is mutual funds good or bad? Depends on your strategy. Okay, so tell me in what way would it be good? In what way would it be bad? Depends on the fees you're paying for them. It depends on the return. Usually, the returns on those are less than the potential returns on what you could make on a stock, but potentially they're safer than the losses you'll take on a stock. Absolutely. You got to have granted. I'm only speaking to what I invest in my 401k. Cause I'll be dead honest. I just started trading in stocks a week ago. And <laughs> Congratulations and welcome to the game. Now granted, I only threw a hundred bucks in because that's what I'm willing to throw away right now. As that's I good. try to learn. So, hey, I'm up $27 this week. So I must be doing hey, something wrong or right. I'm not sure. That's 27%. Yes, sir. 100, 127, that's 27%. You're doing something right, but don't get too carried away now. We're, 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 well, a, lot not, brave. we're a lot more brave with 100 bucks than we are with, with 1,000, 10,000, and you know. But that's the right. point I was reaching, good point. When it comes down to mutual funds, you got to be careful because it does depend on the fees. But if that mutual fund is averaging 15% or 14% or 9% or 8%, doesn't mean you're going to average 15, 9 or 10%. That's a fallacy. Why? Because number one, your dollar cost averaging with your mutual fund, especially if you're buying it through work. Number two, there are fees that you're going to be paying to the, you know, not just the, 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 the fees that come with it. There's all kinds of management. There's a lot of fees with mutual funds. So you got to be careful with that. All right. So I think mutual funds is just not the way to go because there's not enough transparency in the mutual fund market anymore. Well, any at all. So I would be doing ETFs, but the messed up part about it is that they only allow you to do mutual funds at the job in most cases. So you got to really be on top of what it is you're getting and, and, and try to kind of circumvent it that way. It, the, the key is just knowing what you're doing. Um, some people buy annuities because they don't want to risk any money. They, they'll take that one or 2% just to have that money there and not have to worry about it over time. Okay. And then people buy bonds. I wouldn't be touching bonds. That's like putting money in a bank to me. 
because bonds are paying like like it doesn't even make sense. Like the New York, uh, the ten year Treasury is paying like as of yesterday's close. I don't look at it today. It was seventy one basis points. And for you people who don't know what a basis point is, that's a penny. So seventy one is like set point, like not even a percent. Well, the thirty year Treasury is like it was at one point four percent, something like that. So when you start paying attention to your money. Um, all of this information becomes like standard. You know what's happening. And it's not something that's scary and you don't know, but I'm gonna tell you like most people, you're gonna bite this elephant and you're gonna bite this elephant one shoe at a time. You're not gonna know this information. Like even if you say reading, I've been doing this for 25 years, you're not gonna know all this information overnight. You can learn a strategy, but then you have to hone your skills. And then most of the time, it's gonna be about you because you got to get your understanding so you can get your emotions in check. Speaking of which, there's two types of emotional people in the market. But let me ask you a question. Why do people get emotional when they lose money? Who wants to answer that? I'm going to pick somebody. All right, I'm going to go with my Because it hurts. Go ahead, what you say, Sharon? Because it hurts. Because it hurts. It doesn't hurt. It hurts to lose what money. Hurts? How, how does it hurt? What are you talking about? I don't know about you, Kevin, but it hurts to lose I mean, lose money. but why would it? What, okay, so it depends on what you did to lose money. You can't, you can't, okay. I understand the part. We don't like to lose money. Obviously, we don't, right? But if we get involved with something knowing the risk, right, should we understand the risk first? before we put the money in first? Or should we put the money in and pray that it's gonna work out? Yeah, I, I no, think we, we should understand the risk. <laughs> right, I think we know the risk. Go ahead, go ahead. I think we know the risk probably going in in the back of our head, but we never really, <laughs> in reality, think about a loss. Even though we know the risk, we don't, we don't want that loss. Well, I, I think what it is too, um, I'm coming to you too, Sheikha. Sheikha. Um, I think what it is, we get involved with the fantasy of the stock market, not knowing the reality of it. Um, hold on one second. Go ahead, Sheikha. I think it's because you don't, like when it's gone, you, you're not certain you will be able to get it back or recover it. Uh, so you panic and mm. you just want to be sad because it hurts. I agree with my friend that said it hurts. Sharon? <laughs> well, I will say this. I'd say there's two types of people that get emotional in the market. Those who don't have enough money to invest and those who don't have enough experience to invest. Do you agree? And so the one of them shouldn't be involved in the market at all. Which one? Obviously the one that lacks experience, right? You know, yeah, because that's really it. You know, if you have a strategy, then obviously you'll be okay. But if you don't have a strategy, that's when you get hurt. So that's why I tell people it is so important to get intimately involved with the companies that you own. If you don't, you won't know what's happening. And now you're guessing, you know, so the most successful strategy to me is a long-term strategy. Sure, you're gonna get some hiccups along the way, but nine times out of 10, if you do this right, you'll be okay. Mr. Nissa, get online for me. 
Can you speak? Can speak? Yeah, hold up. Hold on. I'm with you. <laughs> All right, what you got? Yeah, I was just saying, you know, without mentioning any names, it's like we had to take our first loss today, right? But right. we own, you know, in your case, I think you said you own maybe four or five stocks, or is it six? Now about 10. About 10, okay. So uh -huh. when, when it comes down to us, we're doing well on mm -hmm. multiple stocks. So right. in order for us to get upset about it, it would have to be a continuous pattern of losses. You, right. get it? you understand what I'm saying? So it doesn't really matter. It's like we have stocks that have made all of us thousands of dollars in a matter of weeks, maybe a week. Right. You right? So when you don't say nothing, but when you think about it, that's, it's all about strategy, guys. That's really, it's all about, you know, and then also knowing that when something goes wrong, A, there's a plan. <laughs> B, hold on a second. B, when it comes down to me and my team, I'm right there with him. I, I took yeah, he called. He called us and let us know. I called. I sure. and I have everybody call me so I can give them a play on what it was. But I took uh, a twenty-seven thousand dollar loss today. But in the last couple of months, I've made six-figure profit, so it all works itself out. I don't really think about what I'm losing. And it's not even a loss. It's a retreat on profit. That's all it is. It was a retreat on profit because I made money. So if I took a step back, don't spring forward. And that's how I kind of think about it. All right. So if you don't have a plan, this is where you hear about, oh, it's gambling. When you're, when you're going in there and you're not really prepared because you're just kind of throwing it in the wind, you read something in a good paper or whatever, a good periodical, you heard something on CNBC, they say, you know what, that sounds good, I'm familiar with it, and we go buy it, that's gambling. And when that goes down, you have absolutely no plan and no recourse because all you're gonna do at that point is sell it. And that's when you're gonna take your loss. So that's why when you hear people say it's gambling, that is the reason why you hear that. You know, we're not gambling. And, and let me ask Dr. Nicole to step up. Come on now. So my question for you, young lady, how do we prevent from that whole gambling mindset? How do, you know, you, you've been with me for a little bit. So mm -hmm. how do you think I prevent people from thinking like that? Um, well, through coaching us, um, getting us information, to do the research of, you know, companies um, and, you know, having a, it's, it's, it's changing your mindset. That's what it starts off with, number one, is changing your mindset about money and the attachment to it. And in 2.0, it's not that quick fix turnover, it's the long-term vision. So it's having the detachment emotionally plus knowing, you know, sticking to your long-term goals. Yeah, like if you've got this, a strategy. This is long-term. This is not saying like, oh, well, we're going to get this done by December. Yeah, so it's like, no, this is long-term. This is, this is years down. It's, it's, so it's just changing mindset and then knowing that this is a long-term. Right, exactly. 
for, for everyone that's played sports, you know, you always hear stick to the basics, stick to the basics, stick to the basics. So when you have a plan, it says keep working your plan. Like I encourage people in 2.0, not even to worry about watching their stocks. Just stick to the plan that we have. I'll watch them. <laughs> and now I guess today they learned that I am and I got their back. So they got to do stick to their plan. And even though, you know, we took a retreat on profit because we didn't take any losses at all. Really, none of us. Right. And but we we're in a position to win. And, that, and that's cool. So I got a question for you when it comes down to you new people. All right. Should we trust the media when it comes down to stock picks? No. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. No. <laughs> Eric's like, no. Why not, Eric? I don't trust them with anything. So I sure as hell ain't trust them with my money. Hey, thank you. And I'll buy that for a dollar. What about you, Rich? I don't think so. I've heard, I've heard, buy the rumors, sell the news. You front running me, bro. Oh. <laughs> I'm messing with you, but it don't matter. But you're right. <laughs> you are absolutely right. You're not supposed to pay attention to them because you got to realize, like, everybody here probably has watched CNBC in their lifetime. Yes or no? Right? They've never told us any actionable news. See, they report on the news that's happening. So by the time you hear about it, it's already too late. Someone's already did something with that information, right? So you are the small person. We are the small person. We don't know about that information, right? So it's hard for us to act on it, right? So you'll never make money watching CNBC. You won't. It just doesn't make sense. You might become aware of something, but if you are be being made aware of something, it's up 30 points that day. You weren't there before it got there. Does that make sense? So no, do not watch CNBC. You're not getting any actionable news from it. You watch it for the information though. Because like, um, I think uh, Centelli is his last name. He's always giving us the bond information. That's good information to know because the bond market is bigger than the stock market a lot bigger, okay? So that makes the world kind of tick because people are more safe. They wanna be more safe in bonds. Bonds are traditionally safe, but you also wanna pay attention to corporate paper and you know high yield bonds and junk bonds because you know I'm gonna be going into that further on 2.0 this weekend in our meeting, but those give us telltale signs on what the economy is doing you know, and where things are going. We are in the middle of an election year, right? So, but if you pay attention to the market, you got to look at it like this. The S&P 500 made a new high. Did you guys see that? So I'm going to share this with you because I'm telling my 2.0 this on, uh, on, it's only a little bit of you guys on, so I, I don't feel like I'm spilling the beans to you, but I'm going to give it to you all here. Um, so, you know, the S&P is predicted with accuracy since 1984, the presidency. Does anyone know that? Okay, so you can look it up. S&P predicts presidency, Google yep. it. Yeah, and it's, and it's accurate 100% since 1984. So here's the deal though. My boy here. So here's the deal. If the S&P 500 
is up three months pri pre prior to the prep to the presidential election, the incumbent wins. Got that? So, and why? Because it's about the money. Now, I'm going to tell you something that some of you guys may not even like. My money's Republican. I said I vote Democrat, but my money's Republican. Now, that's like oxymoronic, ain't it? Right? Well, here's the reality. I got a son, and I have a future to work on. And those tax breaks help me to the 10th degree. I'm able to make money if corporations don't have to pay that much taxes. And so the reality is that I don't pay attention to I'm apolitical. I don't care about that. So I never have a conversation about who's the best president. I'm the best president. I'm the president of me. Vote for me. Right. But when it comes to my dollar, listen, I've made 91.2% over the la every year for the last four and a half years. You don't think that I care about my money more than I care about the president as long as the president is making the money work? Okay, we're going to stop there. So now we're going to go back over here. Thank you very much. So this is how the market works for you newbies. There are buyers <laughs> and there are sellers. We all know that, right? <laughs> so when the market is up, there is more buyers. When the market is down, there are more sellers. There is absolutely no way that you should be selling your stocks when they go down if you own the right company. Who wants to answer me why? Who wants to tell me why? Come on. Because if you're in the right company, it's gonna gain back and, and pass with the, with the economy. Right, so let me ask you a question though. Should you wait for it to come back to buy more or should you be buying more when it's down? Buy more when it's down. Absolutely. So we have this thing called we go shopping when it's down. We go bargain hunting. Bargains in the basement. They ain't on the rooftop. They're in the basement. So when you think about it, I feel like if I take my average costs down, I get a chance to spread my dollars over more shares because it's cheaper. But here's the deal. You can only have that theory if you know you're in a great company. Right? So you got to get really, you got to get really smart real quick if you're going to put your dollars to work. Like if you guys don't know the stocks that you're involved in and you don't have a clue about how they work, you don't know how many revenue streams they have. You don't know the CEOs. You don't know what type of business growth they've been experiencing over the last three to five years. You better, you better do some math. And the chances are, once you learn how to really research companies, because that's what I teach in 2.0, you will probably sell half of the stocks. You know how many people came to me and they dumped their whole portfolio and now they're up six figures? All right, so when you think about it, there's a reason for it. Because once you learn what fundamentals look like, you're not involved with stocks that don't have fundamentals. Now you have, you have braces. You know what to do, when to do, how to do, and what not to do. And, that, and that's important. So the retail investor, you know, they don't control a lot of the stock market. But during the pandemic, 25% of that volume was the retail investor. Institutions control the market. Who can believe that? It's like a no-brainer. 
of the of, of all the volume in the market is institutions. Right? So you got institutional traders. They buy for the insurance companies, the banks, the brokerage houses. They're buying blocks. They're controlling the market. You I mean, it's it's organized behavior, okay, but they control it nonetheless. So you gotta look at that and understand. When you're getting emotional about a stock going up and down every day, it is actually a non-event. What you want to do is know your company and accumulate as much as you can and stay on a plan. So if you're a person who has $1,000, $1,500, $200, dollars $300 a month to put into the market, right? If, whether it comes week bi-weekly, weekly or monthly, you should be shotgun loaded and just putting it in every single month without delay and and you don't want to have 20 different stocks you're not trying to run a mutual fund you want to have six seven eight maybe and you want to keep building those positions over time because like i said it to someone the other day if you own one share of a stock that went up one thousand percent would you be happy or would you be upset who would be happy janata would you be happy you'd be happy rich you own one share of a stock that get up, went up 1,000%? It's a thousand more than what I had before. I would be pissed off. What are you talking about? <laughs> if I did not buy enough shares, right. it went up a thousand percent. It didn't go up a thousand percent in one day. I mean, sometimes that happens. You know, you take a penny stock, right? But, <laughs> right. But never happens with a real stock. But if it went up a thousand percent over, let's say, two or three years, and you only had one share, would you be happy? There you go. You'd be so upset. Because in that two or three year time period, how much money could you put into that one stock, that one share if it was 50 bucks? How many $50 bills could you have found in two years? And you wouldn't have cared if it ran up 300% by the time you got enough of the shares, because if it went up another 700%, then you'd be happy. You get it? But here's the problem. Most people want stocks to go up right away. It's this magic button, like they got a genie in it that says, listen, rub the bottle, I put my money in, and it's time to go. That's not how it works. So you gotta look at it as a, as a form of strategy. I pray that my stocks are in a price range that I can accumulate them over time. Because not everybody, everybody gets their money up front like that. You understand they get it over time They get it every week, every two weeks or every month. So you're good if you got a good company trading in a range and every company has a trading pattern, right? So you're, you're gonna be dealing with technically tra a technical trade when you're purchasing, but fundamentally you don't really care about the trades as much as you care about being able to buy dollar cost averaging. So a lot of people try to time the market and you can't time the market. There's no such thing. I need to get it at a good price. What is a dollar to, to a person who wants to hold a stock for five years? Nothing, right? So don't try to time the market. In my opinion, you just dollar cost average. You might buy high next week. You might buy low next week. You might buy a little higher next week. You might buy a little lower next week. But by the time you finish, you'll have a dollar cost average when you owned and reached your goal that is great for the long-term ride. And once you hit your goal, you should never go into a position basically without one, by the way. You should always have a goal. If you're trading a stock, you should know where you're getting in and where you're getting out. And I don't condone the trading, trading, trading part. But if you are buying a stock, 
you should have a goal on how many shares if you're owning the company for the long term you should have a goal on how many shares you're going to own or accumulate and then stop and move on to the next stop always have a goal because if you do that you'll be okay three were you raising your hand yeah i want, I want to ask a question real quick yeah, moment. Oh, no, no, I'm not stop. Go ahead. All right. Um, did you want um can you go into like more about the rules of institutions? Like like you like always hear about I mean, I won't get too in depth, but like um you know like certain institutions can't like hold or have a certain percentage of a portfolio in a certain asset. Well, that's like, their own bylaws, but you know, I'm I'm actually gonna be doing a couple of things like that on two point oh. So if you want to Okay, hold. all right. Cool. But, I, but I will say, to answer the question in a general nature, so this doesn't go over everybody's head, um, institutions, if you got an institution, let's say like BlackRock or like Fidelity or like Vanguard, are they buying a $5 stock? No. Too much money. Because they, they manage over $6 trillion. Like I think uh, the highest one is BlackRock, BlackRock was $7.4 trillion. So they can't buy that stock. It's not liquid enough. What do I mean by liquid? Not enough volume to trade it, right? And when they buy stock, they don't buy it in the open market. They spread it around through different brokerage firms. So it's different when they're moving that money around. For us, you know, we got to be very careful. We can't do what institutions do. We do have an advantage in certain areas because we can buy where they can't buy, but they can buy size that we couldn't possibly buy, get rid of size that, they, that we couldn't possibly get rid of because of the way they move blocks around. It's a different ball game there. So like I always tell people, the stock game is not the drug game. There's no quick, rich scheme here. You can't, play, you know, you're not gonna, oh man, I got this thing. No, you don't, don't do that, all right? The market can take it and give it away. It can take it, and give it away or it can make you wealthy. So you're not gonna get wealthy trading away your profit. So if you're trading and you're doing all that, you're gonna lose money. So I got a question to, uh, for you, Rich, because you sent me that text uh, through Messenger. Do you play in, in the penny stock realm a lot? Yeah, try to. I, try to, I was trying to find some uh, like extra income going for a penny stock, trying to find uh, like a swing right before financials, like you were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. So how many times have you been successful doing that? Mm, probably like three out of 10, wow. four out of 10. Okay. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the funny part about it is when you're successful, you go heavier the next time. Right. Then the times you lose, it takes you back. Yeah. It, it works out that way. Hey, Daryl, I got a question for you. Have you ever sold a stock that you regretted selling? Yes. Which one? Netflix. Oh boy. <laughs> I ain't even gonna ask you why now. <laughs> it was, I'm a tech book guy. And I, I didn't think the technology at the time and you had Blockbuster out and all these other places. Mm. I didn't do my research. I, I didn't think that that technology with Netflix was going to be, it was just like IBM said about the, the laptop or computers, right? <laughs> I didn't think that technology was going to, going to take off. I, I just. Wow. And no one would have known it. No one would have known it. Exactly. No, I'm a tech guy. All right. But I have to play in a realm where the money is at. I fish where the fishes are. 
that makes sense? So I pay attention, but I like it to be a, a deep pond. I don't want a, a deep ocean. I don't want to fish in a pond, meaning I don't like short-term dollars. Right. So if I get stuck in a stock, I can stay there for a long period of time and it'll actually make me money because I'm averaging down and I know I'm in a good company, if that makes any sense. You know, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So when you're, when you're thinking about it, you got to think about in terms of value and growth. I love growth. I'm not a value guy, all right? Um, I think you're looking at value, you're following players like Benjamin Graham, Warren Buffett. That's value investing, right? Well, this market, and it kind of makes it an oxymoronic for me, not to say that value is bad, because value is good. I like dividends, Right. That's why I like that Apple plays a dividend, right? That's value to me. But I'm also getting growth, right? So, you know, and when you got a company that has a $2 trillion market cap that's growing at 13% on their earnings, you got to go, hey, let's go, right? They're doing great. Because that's the equivalent of a company with a $4 billion market cap growing at 150%, right? So I like what's happening. But you got to look at from that perspective. Growth to me is where you want to put your money. I like to grow my dollars. I like to know that in five, five, five years, it's going to grow at a certain percentage rate and they're going to keep earning money. And, and that's the deal. That's how come, you know, I'm in tech because tech, whether you know it or not, like the Model T Ford was considered technology at one point in time. It was, right? It's crazy, but it was. So when you think about it, tech has led the market. It's like when the Model T Ford came out, please, they sold 15,000 cars in, in the year that they released it. 15,000. You know what that did for the economy? You had tire companies going up. You had hotels going up. People moving out to the suburbs because now they got a car they can afford. That to me is technology. So when you think about technology is there to make our lives better, it could also take away from our lives because you see what it's done to our kids, right? But when it comes down to the world itself, it makes it better. Listen, Zoom was a company that we all use. I'm on Zoom right now. I owned it at one period of time. Some of my guys do own it. Um, I don't think it's a long-term company because it doesn't have that moat that I like. But when it comes down to technology itself, it changed the world. That's why it's a, that's why it's a verb now. You understand? Because we're Zooming now, right? So when you think about it, that provided a vehicle for us to actually have a conversation in our own homes and be comfortable with it. And we can see the energy of each other. So that makes us even more comfortable with what we're watching. So it's, and it allows us to do business. Like I knew Zoom was gonna be successful because my company, everybody was on Zoom talking to their clients, everybody. And it was just a matter of time before it trickled through business because where we couldn't actually I'll get it to you in a second, Daryl. When we couldn't actually get through to clients, I knew that the other businesses would do the same thing because now they can talk to their homeowners. So if they're in a solar business, they can, they can now have a Zoom conversation to sell their product. So that to me was like, wow, that kind of changed everything. I just don't think there's a moat there because you got Cisco in it. You have, um, you know, Google in it, Facebook in it, you know, everybody's blue jean, everybody's got a platform like this. So it's a matter of time. If one does not step out and do something that enhances their product, then I think you'll see them go away like Uvu did in Skype. What was you going to say, Daryl? All right, you were on dividends. And here's a, here's a quick question. And I, I know this is not 
put in one bag, but is it a plus to look at companies that pay um, dividends, companies that have been around and they've paid dividends over a certain amount of years and they pay decent dividends <coughs> if when you do your research? Is that is that looking at, when you're looking at a stock, is that a, would you look at it as a plus thing? Well, I mean, I like a company that pays a dividend. All right, I just don't go out looking for a company that pays a dividend. You understand? I wouldn't buy a company because it pays a dividend. What if the company pays a dividend and they cut their dividend like a lot of companies did in the middle of the pandemic? Like you have bank stocks, the feds told the bank stocks to stop paying their dividends, to cut their dividends because they wanted to show up their balance sheet. Nicole, were you raising your hand? Yeah. So they, they told them to stop doing that. So because we're in the middle of a pandemic and as much as you, as much as the market is high right now, there's a lot of things in the economy that's just not right. How many small businesses are going out of business right now? And you, if you do, if they do not approve the stimulus package, how it's going to get a little bit more crazy. It's like, I was reading something today where there's 13,000 vacant apartments in New York city. And I'm from New York. You know, it's rent is, is really high in New York. You know, I think that's a good thing for the market though, because that might bring prices down. But, but the bottom line is there's a lot of bedlam that's about to take place. Now you have the higher line companies that, you know, like let's call it the Apples of the world and, you know, the Microsofts of the world, they're not going to stop doing business because bigger companies are using their products and they're still okay. They're not really, they're, Apple runs off for the consumer, but it runs off of, a. it's like, if you got cancer, you're going to stop taking your cancer pills during the pandemic? Right. You're going to take your pills. But when you think about it, if you need to make a phone call to call home, you need your phone. Right? You're going to need the phone and Apple, you're going to have your phone. And, and we use our phones like computers now, don't we? We're, we? We take our phones to bed with us. I know I'm a victim of that. We take them to the bathroom now. They became the new magazine. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> but I'm telling you the truth. You know it. You know, some probably wouldn't even admit it. What's up, Rich? So let me look here for my notes here. Hey, Kevin, I got a quick question for you. Go ahead. You're talking about, um, you know, being invested or picking a about five to 10 stocks maybe that, that you really believe in. Um, I've always heard about being, uh, uh, having diversification, you know? Um, so do you recommend like you have your, your base stocks of five to 10 that you really believe in, and then you have exposure through to like spider ETF or something like that? Is that, is that something that you believe in or do you, do you really just believe in picking those five, 10 stocks and, and sticking with those, regardless of diversification or anything like that? No, we're very diversified. And I, you know, the funny thing about it is I always talk about the starting five. I'm a basketball guy, you know, so I think you should build your core. And I think that you should have ETFs as well. I think you should have a base, um, you know, your more established companies in your portfolio that are the base of your pyramid, so to speak. You know, that if, like, for instance, if you looked at Apple, you looked at the Googles of the world, the Amazons of the world, um, when the pandemic hit, how did that affect those stocks, right? 
Apple came back 100%, over 100% from the base, right? So you got to look at it from that standpoint. And that's also your, your long money. You know, with $198 billion in, in cash, they're not going anywhere. So when you look at that part of your base, and most people can't afford the $400 stock. Right? I just saw their market caps over, uh, over Canada's economic value. So. Yeah, yeah well, it, listen, it was crazy when it hit a trillion, like a year and a half ago. But when you look at ETFs, you can own those stocks in ETFs. You can own them in, in these ETFs. And I would buy an ETF over a mutual fund 10 times a week. Why? Because you can look at the expense ratio, you know, the amount of fees they're charging. You can look at that and you can determine. Like if you're buying the, the SPY, SPY, um, I think their expense ratio is like 0.13%. You know, and then, you know, anything under a dollar, if you're getting certain type of growth is okay. You know, but yeah, I like the diversification of it all. Because it, it, you know, if you have to take a loss in any degree because things do happen in the market, you have to be prepared for it. You're actually not in a bad place. But I'm a stock picker, and I've been a stock picker for a while, and I think stock pickers have an advantage over the marketplace. You understand? Um, so hold on one second, guys. But I'm gonna give you some things because I don't want to keep you guys too long. But so if you're gonna be looking at companies, you have to become well versed in the fundamental picture study that find out what fundamentals mean what are you looking for what's going to make that company grow what's going to make that company grow all right second thing technicals i knew i look at the technical perspective because i need to know where the company's traveling if it's traveling in the right direction you know i look for if i'm going to be buying a stock one of the things i do before i purchase it if i like it i research it i do the fundamental part and then I watch the technical part of it to see that if the stocks are trending in the right direction. I, and, and then I look for my entry. I want to see how the market is responding to the stock before I buy it, before I put it on my list. I don't recommend stocks to people. I tell people what I'm buying, they kind of piggy bank what I'm buying, that type of thing. Because I can't tell people that anymore. I'm not licensed anymore, but they kind of know what I'm doing. They get the picture. So it's like I'm buying this and I'm selling that. And then they kind of know what I'm doing. Um, and most of the time it's buys. I would say 99% of the time, we're not, we're not selling anything, we're buying. You know, that's really the, the, the core thing. But you wanna look for earnings, you wanna look for growth in revenues, you wanna look for growth in their earnings, their margins and stuff like that because you wanna know their products, you wanna know what's happening in that particular company that's gonna be able to make you money over the long term. You know, um, that's how you're gonna judge the companies anyway. Companies only come out with earnings four times a year. So for you to be trading the company doesn't make any sense because their earnings are the report card. Their earnings are going to tell you whether they're doing good or they're not doing good. You understand? Does that make any sense? Right. So I see people who, like one of the things that I, I, I guard against and I try to stop people, my, my job in my group is to guard people against their emotions and I'm the filter before between their money and their emotions and I'm the light of their understanding. So this way, their same habits they've had for a long period of time does not come in between them making money. So if you got a stock that goes down, you already know it's time. Nicole, Dr. Nicole, get on for me. 
Like, you know, that's our mantra, but what, when I drilled that into the top, when did I drill that in and, and, and how did that make sense to you over time? About the- As far as buying when, going shopping, when the market's down. Oh, going shopping? Oh, going shopping. Um, you would share with us, um, you know, you show, you show us what the stock was doing um, you know, what it was looking like in the market, um, and tell us, okay, it's doing this, you know, it's going, it's, it's down or whatever. And it's time we for buy when stocks are up or buy you know, stocks. But you, you shared that with us. We buy when the stock is down. Is that what you asked? Yeah. I mean, the whole, That's I'm, me? I'm, yeah, I'm asking that. I'm asking, when do we buy stocks? Well, we, we buy them stocks when we try to buy them when they're down. That's the best time to buy is when the mark, when we're it's on the, when it's going down before it shoots back up. Hey, the thing is this, guys, we got used to seeing green is good and red is bad, and it's wrong. It's the reverse. Red mm -hmm. is great. It's good. Mm -hmm. Green just makes you know that you're in the right place. But mm -hmm. if you're going to go, because you're not going to be able to accumulate, like, I don't know how, I don't claim to care how deep people's pockets are. But I would say this to you. you most people that I talk to can't buy all of the shares they want at one time. So if you can buy, let's say you have a goal of 100 shares or a goal of 10 shares or whatever your meal is. Your meal might be 100 shares. Your meal might be 10 shares, right? So if it's going to take me three weeks to own that 10 shares or two months to own the 10 shares or three months to own that 100 shares, I really want to buy the stocks when they're down. I'm going to dollar cost average. If I can't, I don't care. I'm just going to buy it. I'm just going to buy as much as I can. Hopefully the stock stays in a certain pattern so that when their earnings do come out and their report card does come out and the market adjusts them towards their growth rate, I'm paying a cheaper price, hopefully, than what the market is paying for it three, four, five, six, seven months later or a year later, that type of thing. So um, let me just look over my notes real quick because I'm going to bring it down. Oh, I'm on the last page. This is great. So I guess at the end of the day, if you're going to be buying stocks, you should have protocols of what to do. You should know what to do when a stock goes down. You should have your goal of how many shares you're going to buy. You should have an exit strategy if you're a trader. You know, if you're a long-term investor, your exit strategy is obviously when you retire. But you should never go blindly into any company without a strategy, without the protocols, and also without knowing what, like, investors' relations, investors' relations. Every single company has an investors' relations page. Every single company. You should be all over that like a bee on honey. Because you want to know what's going on that's where you're going to find out what's happening. The 10Q, the quarterly report is there. After their earnings come out, they have a 10Q. It has everything. It's like the diary. You know everything that's going on in their company. And not everything is in their quarter earnings report, but it will definitely be in a 10Q. So these are the things that you want to pay attention to um, and, and kind of gleam and glom on because that's going to protect your money. Just remember, the more you know, the more your money grows. The less you know, the more you lose. Because when you know less, you're not intimately involved with the company. 
you're going to get nervous when it goes down instead of look at it like, wow. Like I had a, a stock down six points today and I was like, I'm all over it, right? Even though we own that stock chip 20 points cheaper, but I'm all right because I got a long-term view on it. So if I can get as much as I can, that's why it's always good to have your, 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 your money for the long-term picture and some extra money there to buy on those dips. Never spin all your bullets. You understand that? Never spin all your bullets because you're going to have down days that you want to take advantage of. So if I'm, if I'm investing $3,000 a month, right, I might say $500 a week is what I'm going to throw in, right? But I might save that extra $250 for those down days. Does that make any sense? You get it? So I'm going to open it up for questions and I'm going to end the call because normally I don't go this long. But I figured we were talking about the stock market and I really don't, I rarely uh, do that. I'm normally, I'm normally talking about topics. So anyone got any questions for me before I go? I'll take two or three questions. Don't be bashful. So then I'll ask one question. What would make you a better investor? That's my question. And I'm going to ask Richard and I'm going to ask Eric. And then um, who else is on this call? But let's start with you. Uh, let's start with uh, Richard. What would make you a better investor? Probably just uh, getting a better understanding of um uh, fundamental analysis and, and really learning to analyze the, the earnings reports a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you definitely want to do that. That's going to increase your profits over time. And that's going to increase your comfort. Mm -hmm. And when the stock goes down, you won't even say anything You're like, Oh, I got me. I got it. You like in our group, we post shopping carts. When we see stocks down, you just start seeing, I'm not kidding either. You just see people posting shopping carts in 2.0 because everybody's going shopping because they already know what the drill is. It's a funny culture, but it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Um, Eric, what would make you a better investor? Probably learning a little bit more patience. Mm -hmm. That's going to take a little bit of time because you're just starting. Very um, new, yeah. But are you, what books are you reading? And mostly just what's on the internet right now. Um, on the page, I see your name. I'm going to, hold on a second. Honey, can you do me a favor? Can you tag Eric Moman, M-O-M-A-N, in the uh, group, uh, group orientation? My secretary. <laughs> That's my wife. She'll probably hit me in the back of my head. I say that again. But she's <laughs> going to tag you in that group. And so therefore, okay. you can, um, in the, it's, a, it's a post. So you can see what books you should be reading. Like the books okay. I give Thank out you. immediately, you're welcome. The books I give out to get are Peter Lynch books. Those are good places to start, like um, One Up on Wall Street, Learn to Earn, Beating the Street. Um, there's a group orientation in the announcement section. So if you don't know what that is, just go through the announcement section and just scroll down. You'll see it. Um, Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. That's Warren Buffett's uh, theory. Uh, John Bogle. You know, he, he discovered the Vanguard Fund, created the uh, Vanguard Fund. Like, read up on these big, big investors and what they did. And, and this way you can gleam and glom. You're not going to be an investor after that. You're not going to know what to do. You just have information. Experience is something you can't substitute. That's why when I coach people, it's, it's like I asked one of my buddies today, if I decided to, you know, um, stop my 2.0, people would probably kind of hound me for a good period of time to get me to do it because of the coaching. So it's always wanting to know what, it's what to do, when to do, and also having a guide. So you can get that guide from the books. 
as far as the initial information. It'll guide you into a thought process. So do that. What about, uh, let me see who, hey, Daryl, what would make you a better investor? I, I would agree with what was said. Uh, patience. I tend to, uh, when, when I'm buying stock, uh, I tend to, if it's going down too, uh, down too long, I, I'm not talking about a day. I'm talking about. It's in a downtrend. Yes. Mm -hmm. So being patient, um, it, it probably is part of uh, maybe doing uh, research more. I, I am, I've been look. Uh, I've been listening to, uh, uh, the lazy, what is it? The lazy way to uh, earn stock or the, 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 so it, Lynch and um, this other book I'm, I'm uh, listening to. Mm -hmm. uh, the lazy investors guide is what it's called. Mm -hmm. But I, it, it's patience. It's uh, being patient and, and, and researching more, researching more instead of looking at just the basics like the PE ratio mm -hmm. and stuff like that, looking a little bit more into yeah, PE doesn't do anything for us these days anymore. PE is like no, it <laughs> it, it's like archaic to the thought process because everybody's in the growth. And since growth, the PEs are outrageous, um, you miss out a lot trying to buy PE stocks. That's a value perspective. So I'm going to leave you with, uh, with two thoughts. Um, stay away from penny stocks. Stay away from penny stocks. Stay away from penny stocks. I used okay. to, but I don't anymore. Please don't do that. Why? Because... We think that because we can get a lot more money into it, I mean, a lot more shares, but the problem is they don't have a lot of volume. Sometimes you get stuck in them and you know, there's no institutions in it. So you're actually competing against a guy that knows just as much about it as you do. So you're hoping that he buys it that day and you're able to sell. <laughs> so stay away from that. Um, the, what was the last thing? Uh, the, the, the next thought was, I don't know what the last part was, but just I'm just going to leave you with always have a protocol, you know. And as you are on this page, this is un, this is a very unique experience for you guys, you know. I, I already know um, you won't get this experience anywhere, um, you know. I've I've been in a position to help people for a long period of time. This is probably the best place I've been able to create to do that. So I would say to you, listen, learn. Participate in a stock group. If you do participate in the contest, that's the only way to get into my one point, my 2.0. I won't take anybody that, oh, let's get, because I'm not in it to make money that way. Um, I'd rather get to know you. I want to know who you are, you know, because I need to know that if I got a person with a certain type of personality, I may not gel with that personality. So I want to make sure that, you know, it's not like I got to like everybody, but I kind of like, got to like everybody. You know, I gotta, I, I really do, because you're gonna call me or text me, um, and I wanna be there for you. You know, I don't wanna be like, oh, this one's doing that again. You know, I like to build relationships with people because I sincerely think that if I give you um, the resources to build wealth, a lot of things are gonna change in your life. I mean, a lot. You can go places, do things, and dream a lot more when you know you can afford the dream. It's a little bit different. You know, and I don't, you know, and my guys in 2.0 already know what I'm saying is the gospel. It's not even a game. You know, they know, you know, they, I got 51 in there. I got another, uh, you know, another um, qualification meeting coming up this week to see who's going to be in the next one. 
but the reality behind it is growing and it's growing really fast. I never knew that this would be something that would grow like, like this. So I'm very cautious and very selective because I don't want, you know, when you got a nice culture brewing and people are really cool, you know, like today we had a stock go down. We had to take our first loss. I got 19 stocks. We're winning on 18 of them. I mean, they're not worried about taking a loss, but I didn't get one call in panic. Like not one. <laughs> I got 51 people there. So we did something right there. And that's important. You know, so reality guys, I appreciate you guys for um, jumping on and giving me some of your time tonight. Um, don't be afraid to send me a, uh, a direct message. I just don't answer things about stocks. Um, you know, my thing is get information first, read first. The last thing I was going to say to you, I remember, for all you sports heads, if you're football, baseball, or whatever, right? If your favorite player, if you got a favorite player, what are you going to know about them? Everything. All their stats, who they played for, where they grew up. What teams that that favorite play that you see, you everybody remembers like I'm an old head. Dr. J's reverse around the backboard thing. Everybody remembers that, right? So why not know your company like you know your favorite player? Don't rush out there to just be an investor because it's something that you want to try to make money. Don't try at this. You can be successful. I can that if you I I can't say the word guarantee. I'm an old school stockbroker. But I can say that if you work hard at getting the information, if you can learn how to put it all together, you'll be okay if you got the right guy. That I can say, all right? So I appreciate you guys. All you guys have a wonderful night. Stay safe out in this little crazy time we're in. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the game and next Sunday. All right, guys. Thank you, Kevin. Bye. Good night. Bye. Thank you, Kevin. Bye. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, sir. Good night. Thank you. Good night, everyone. You're very welcome. Good night. See y'all later. Mm -hmm.